Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Zach Pittman, who is a serial entrepreneur, active loan officer, and the managing member of GHP Capital. Zach, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited. So I just want to thank you for having me on. Yeah, love to have you on, man. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little bit about myself. I love new ideas, being an entrepreneur. took some time to figure it out. And when I try to make free time, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs will identify with this, when you are an entrepreneur, you want to try so many different things. You want to dive into your business. So it's not that we have free time. You have to make free time. So I try to do my best to play ball on Mondays. I've been playing with the same group of guys for five years. We're here in Charlotte. So we actually play at this court. We call it the Curry Court. There's a memorial of all the Currys on the wall. They've got the number 30 on the court. They've got an NBA line. I love it. It's a great group of guys. So we play on Mondays. I just try to stay active. And when I'm not doing that, I'm working out, usually running with my daughter in the stroller, but there's a very different stamina when it comes to jogging and playing basketball. So I try to do that to stay active. Um, If I'm not working out, trying to stay healthy, I'm usually reading. I love to read Um, anything I can get my hands on. I think that it's one of the most underrated resources that we have. And if you need an answer to something, Yes, you can go to YouTube and other things like that online, but I think going deep into a book is it can be a game changer for people. And then, you know, if I'm not doing that, I'm a meditator, been doing it for roughly nine years now. And um, something else that helps me to meditate is playing piano. So I try to make time for those things. It helps me to soothe, um, regulate my emotions, and, you know, stay healthy. So I think finding time to do things you enjoy is very important. There we go. What time do y'all play on Mondays in Charlotte? Five o'clock on Mondays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what's up. I um <laughs> also love to hoop and consequently will be in North Carolina for my wedding this weekend. Oh, <laughs> really cool. wow. <laughs> uh, won't, won't have time to hoop with you guys, but <laughs> it would be cool. You're like, Yeah, I know we have a wedding, but I'll be back. I just need a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'll be close to Charlotte too. I went to Davidson College, so like 30 minutes. No north. way. So you know all, yeah, you know all about Steph Curry. All right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Small That's world. Cool. And you said you started meditating how many years ago? Nine. Nine. Yeah, nine years ago. Tell us a little bit about the progression, how you started. Like, what was it like when you started? And have you, saying improved that meditating is different, but I feel like, um, when I've tried, it's been hard for me to focus for a prolonged period of time with meditating. And I've heard that that gets better as you do it longer. So talk to us a little bit about your journey with meditation. Yes, true. that's an absolute true statement. I had to do it for the very first time in college as an assignment for a nutritional class. It was super random. 
but they said, you know, you need to do it five times. And funny enough on campus, I went to this Catholic, small Catholic college in Louisville, Kentucky called Bellarmine University. We just made it in the news for the first time last year when we were supposed to go to the NCAA tournament, but we went from D2, our basketball team went from D2 to D1. So we're in that, that waiting period where you can't compete in the national tournament. You have a waiting period. I think it's three or four years. I don't think we can qualify for this year, but anyway, small college and Catholics college. And we had a meditating room. And so I went in there. I failed miserably. I could not focus. I, my mind was just running. It wasn't until after college that I was listening to Tim Ferriss and he talked about meditating and, and entrepreneurs. And I said, you know, a lot of people I look up to meditate, let's give us a serious try. So I tried the app Headspace and that helped the most. And as you do it, you start learning techniques to keep your focus. So when you catch yourself, you refocus on your breath or you refocus on different body parts and that's the, that's the key is you focusing on one minor aspect and that's why your body is able to relax and it is a skill so nowadays when there's something stressful i can lean on that in order to calm myself down and it does help you to stay focused and regulate so it did take a long time after 9 years i could stop right now and and snap into it if i needed to so it just takes time as as you practice more I do think it's a helpful skill that you can build over time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I've heard ever since reading The Power of Now, I've been really attuned to people talking about meditation and just the importance of it and also how different it can look. Like some people use the Headspace app. Some people will walk. Some people will just um, playing music can be a form of meditation. Exercise can be a form of meditation for a lot of people. And so, um, yeah, just really interesting. Well, cool, man. Tell us a little bit about your work with GHP Capital. You're an active loan officer, serial entrepreneur. What fills your days in the occupational side? Right. And that's kind of what I like from being an entrepreneur is it's different every day. And it took some time. I don't want people to get confused as this being like, oh, I knew what I wanted to do. You jump into it. That's what most people know. No, I failed a few times. Um, for me, I got my MBA and that's where I picked up the and that's where I learned that I wanted to be an entrepreneur because people kept telling me, if anybody's going to be an entrepreneur, it's going to be you. And so I took that and I ran with it. So I tried a few things. Uh, they failed. Um, it's funny when you look at ideas you've had and now they do exist like DoorDash. I can't imagine how many people had that idea a decade ago, but now it's a thing. Yeah. So, you know, you have the ideas, you just have to hone yourself in. And so I, I narrowed it down to real estate through trial and error. And I found that pathway by buying my own home. And luckily I had a mentor. The mentor, what he did is he bought a house, lived there, rented out the rooms to friends. He moved, bought another house, rented out the rooms to friends, turned the first house into an investment property. He did it five times to where he had five houses. And then after 20, 30 years, he sold all of them and he was a millionaire. And so I am like, well, Anybody can do this. That's how he explained it to me. It's a simple pathway. You're just jumping houses. And that's how I got started. I bought my first home, 0% down. I rented out the rooms, raked in the cash flow, and eventually I sold it. And that springboarded me into purchasing multiple properties. And from that is what I turned into GHP Capital. I now have raised money from um, private sources. So raising money from people that I knew, from people I didn't know. And now the projects have been successful 
And now what I'm waiting for is to finish one big project. We're rehabbing a bunch of units, um, fixing them up. And then from there, I'll go out and, you know, grab some more people together and say, who wants to invest in another deal? So it took time figuring out that investing was what I wanted to do. And it just happened because I listened to a mentor who said, go buy your first house. And I do the same thing with another job that I'm working in, which is called the Home Buyer League. It's an online educational platform where I'm able to take these concepts that other mentors have and lay them out into a course that is location specific. And it's both either free or paid based on your needs and broken down into leagues. So if you're advanced, you go to A League. If you're a beginner, you go to C League. So there's not really anything out there that's location specific from one expert on a specific topic. You can go anywhere online, um, like bigger pockets and things like that, where the information's fantastic, but you have to weed through it to find someone who's an expert to make sure they're not out in Texas giving you advice when you live in North Carolina. It can get very convoluted. So that's something else I do. I act as the commissioner there and it's just sharing information at this point. There's a lot of other things in the pipeline, but when I'm not doing those two things, dealing with investing or teaching it, I'm acting as a loan officer where I help people get mortgages for their homes. There we go. And so GHP Capital, are you on to, I know you said your one project is, it was a larger number of units that you're rehabbing. Are you focusing on larger unit properties? Do you also do some like kind of, duplex, triplex, quadplex properties? Like what's your focus with GHP Capital? The focus from here will be your multifamily properties or your apartment complexes. So that would be anything over five units. If you're under five units, that's considered residential and there's different loans that come with that. So it is, it is different. You have residential, which are your houses and your commercial, which are your apartments. It took me a few years to figure out I wanted to go the apartment path because my goal was to live the dream. To live the dream, I needed financial freedom. To get financial freedom, you need cash flow. So I was able to work backwards from the number of units my family needs in order to reach financial freedom. And the goal is to get to that point where we have that amount of units to, you know, I could wake up and not have to worry about money, which is to me the dream, which, you know, changes a little bit, but that's the ultimate goal. And so now it's all apartment complexes. The one we're rehabbing now is seven units. It's um, down in Georgia, actually. So even though I'm in North Carolina, something else I teach is how do you, how do you do real estate? You know, if you don't live there, I think that's common knowledge that isn't accurate, that you do not have to buy in your own backyard. There are deals everywhere else, thanks to technology and, and people on the ground you can essentially run a business from another state and I'm proof that you can do that. And so for me, that's the focus from now, but I've done other things like wholesaling, the rental arbitrage that's really hot right now, which is where you rent a place and then people are throwing them on Airbnb. So you make money when you make more than what your rent is for that property. So that's really hot right now. And then flipping rehabbing units is something else I have experience in. So, uh, but the key is to, Use those tactics to buy apartments. I gotcha. And so you said it was a seven-unit deal that you bought? Mm -hmm. Yep, seven units. Um, it's so funny when I would go to wholesale units, which is essentially you get a property under contract and you kind of sell the contract. That's the simplest way to explain it. 
um, I was looking for those and found this one and I could not believe what the price was. So I said to myself, you know what, I'm just going to buy this thing. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I just jumped into it. Uh, we have half the units rehabbed right now. And then um, from there, I'll be able to get a new loan and then start looking again. But this thing, you know, it's it's an everyday job. I was on the phone with the general contractor today, uh, and a lot of people are off today, but it never sleeps. Um, yeah. That's just something you have to be prepared for if you're trying to reach your dreams. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Just curious, and then we'll kind of move on a little bit. How do you find this deal? Was it direct mail? Was it a cold call? Was it a referral? There's an app called LoopNet. So if you're looking for commercial properties, it could be retail, meaning, you know, your your malls or your strip malls or a healthcare office space, uh, industrial buildings, um, storage units, but specific for me, apartment buildings. So it's called LoopNet. It's an app where people can find commercial properties that are for sale. It's basically the Zillow of uh, commercial properties. And it went up on a Friday night. Um, I did my research over the weekend, reached out to the broker, and he hit me back Monday, and he was like, I've gotten 90 inquiries on this thing. <laughs> Do you want to make a move on it? I'm like, yes, sure, I'm in. It That thing was gone by 5 o'clock that day. And uh. so it was just dumb luck that he put it on there. People... LoopNet gets a bad rap for being like the graveyard of deals where they're not uh, good. But this guy said it was a friend and he was just trying, they told him the owner had died and the estate said, just get rid of it. So it was so cheap and I lost it. I actually lost the deal. Um, but a week later he calls me and he goes, Hey, the, the deal's back on the table. This guy looked at the property and he said it was too much work. He didn't want to take on the work. Um, but, you know, what do you think? And, and also, the other thing is he didn't want to kick out people. And what we did is we tried to take another approach to help the people there. So I said, no, I want the deal. So I got it after it had gone under contract and somebody else decided not to take it. So I got really lucky. Yeah, <laughs> that is really lucky because I've heard also LoopNet is where deals go to die. And then the fact that you lost it and got it back, that's just like, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was meant. It was meant to happen. So, so yeah, it's going well. We've the ones we've renovated have been rented out. Where we're at, we're in Macon, Georgia, and you know it's not the best market in the world, but people need housing. And the way we decided to try and help people was to renovate these units and put a, put some of them on Section Eight, because the Section Eight tenants there are two years behind. There's no waiting list. They don't have housing. Most of the people there that need housing are elderly. I mean, we, Section Eight gets a bad rap. But it's people who need the housing and good housing. The Section Eight housing there isn't—they're not up-to-date units. They're trashy. The—they're slumlords. I want to make a distinction that pe people don't think about, and that being a slumlord doesn't mean you buy cheap properties. Being a slumlord is when you buy property and you don't take care of it. So even yeah. though we buy cheap properties, the ones I have. They're all updated. They're all in fantastic shape. I don't have issues because the properties are taken care of. So I don't get the the horror stories that people run into. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I've heard one other dude who kind of does uh, higher quality section eight. He was on YouTube. I think he was on a bigger pocket show, but it's a it's a move. So you got a you got a good deal there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about your motivation. We can get off the real estate train. I just love real estate. <laughs> but <laughs> tell us a bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? 
Uh, as I mentioned, it was the financial freedom. Yeah, my, you could consider it a little selfish, but I think for me, I love experiences. That's what drives me. So I knew financial freedom would give me more time to practice piano, give me more time to hoop and meet people. It gives you the time. It's not the money. It's the time and the experiences you get from being financially free. That's the dream to be able to enjoy life for what it what it is. You can travel, you can write a book and have that time back to spend it with your family. And so for me, it, the motivation's always been financial freedom, but that has recently changed. As I mentioned, uh, I have a little girl and now I have two. So as of three days ago, I now have um, two little girls, uh, all under two. <laughs> so they tell you, don't have two kids in diapers. And I broke that rule. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so far, three days in, so far, so good. But that changed my motivation with my first daughter because it no longer became about financial freedom for me. It came about creating a financially free situation for the family so that my girls get attention so that they can take the classes that they need to take to find their passions to be able to travel so that they're cultured and can potentially learn other languages and see the world for what it is and and just become fantastic humans so that's now my motivation is to you know get to a financially free point so that I can help them become the best versions of themselves yeah Absolutely. I love that little switch that happened. Um, it's kind of still revolving around financial freedom, but it went from, yeah, it is a selfish thing. I want experiences for me to, I want experiences for my family. And mm -hmm. I was hearing somebody talk. I think it was like, what's his name? Brendan Burchard. Um, is that his name? Do you know that guy? No, I'm not familiar. Gotcha. I think he's pretty big in like self-improvement world, but not the real estate self-improvement world, just kind of self-improvement. And he talked about how we kind of have these three zones. You have your comfort zone and you have like the discomfort zone or the I'm not comfortable here zone. I don't think I use that word correctly. And then you have the like <laughs> the stretch zone, like right outside of that zone where it's like this is the um, service zone. And so when you choose to serve people, you'll go beyond. You'll leave your comfort zone. You'll even become more than uncomfortable in order to serve. And so mm. I. I can see that here of like, yeah, it was financial freedom for yourself. You know, it was a little selfish, whatever. We all have that selfish ambition. But then it was like, now I want to create a situation for my kids and for my family. And that's that service zone. So that's really cool. No, I love that. And I, I agree with it too. I have a closely held notion that I try to follow every day, which is the more value you put out, the more value you get back. So a lot of the times I do things out of my way, or if someone asks without anything return, just because I believe the more you do for people, the more that will come back to you. Yeah. 100% law of reciprocity. I love it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Zach, it's a great segue into your dreams and goals, hearing that you want to create this financial freedom situation for your family. Are there any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Yes. What's driving me now, if you wanted to dig deeper into it, well, how do you get to financial freedom and how do you do that for your family other than real estate and helping people with mortgages? If you take that away and wrap it into a goal, I would like to directly impact 8 million people. So that's my current active goal, that finding ways to impact 8 million. And I know it sounds like a super random number, but I looked at, well, how many people are most likely going to be on the planet? 8 billion. I think we're at 7.8 right now. 
what is 0.1% of that? It's 8 million. So I'm like, sure. I'm sure that if I do enough, I can directly impact 8 million. Now, I don't mean I had a TikTok video go viral and that's 8 million. I mean, you know, I have housing that are helping people or short-term rentals giving great experiences. I've actually created a real estate board game that I'm finalizing the design on. So getting that in front of people so that they can learn more about real estate, it's designed to be a more accurate version of Monopoly. Monopoly is not accurate in the slightest. So I'm working on this board game that I hope to get out into the world to help people learn more about real estate, but in, with a fun aspect, of course. But that or public speaking, writing a book, directly impacting 8 million is my goal. And I think in doing that, I can help people. Um, maybe help them realize things about themselves that they didn't realize to begin with. And then if I wanted to give you my selfish goal, I have a big dream of wanting to have this amazing Spanish villa, like in Spain, overlooking the water. You've got your little courtyard on the inside. I can go walk down and have wine on a terrace. And I've got my wife and kids there. We've got a pool at the house, this, this dream house of mine in Spain um, enjoying the food, the amazing weather. They get 300 days of sun in Spain um, with a house that we own. That's like an ultimate, if I had to give you the ultimate selfish dream, financially free, chilling in Spain, <laughs> That's that would be it right there. There we go. There we go. When in your life did you decide Spain? When I visited. Um, I've, I've traveled a good bit, and Barcelona, as of now, is my favorite city that I've been to. I recently visited Greece. So we went to Athens and Santorini. The views there are mind blowing. I thought I was looking at a green screen like half of the time. It does not look real <laughs> at all. But Barcelona hits all of the markers that are for me in terms of um, activity. There's volleyball courts everywhere. I randomly played basketball there with some, you know, some Barcelonian. Bar I don't know what what they sure. Spaniard. Let's just go with Spaniard. Yeah. <laughs> so just, you know, playing ball and then um, the food, paella, um, you've got art, the culture, you've got everything in Barcelona. It's a reason it's one of the more expensive places to live. Um, I don't have to live specifically in Barcelona, but the culture there, I've been a couple times to Spain, the people, the cost of living is actually lower than people expect. It's just an amazing country to me. And, uh, you know, I just felt, and they speak Spanish. I would love to learn more of the Spanish language. So I just loved everything about it. it and I set it as a goal. I said, Hey, this, I would love to buy a house. And at least even if I don't live there, I can go visit three months out of the year. I'm cool. I'm happy. Um, so I just made, after I visited, I made that a goal. I found, I even found a house there. I printed off the picture, put it on my vision board and back to the meditation thing. If I'm in a situation to where, you know, I'm struggling with something, I will visually go back to the property and use it as a tactic to help me to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And so that's just, you know, the whole thing there just wraps itself together as a, as a driving force to reach for the dreams, you know? There we go. I love it. So we got financial freedom situation for the family directly impacting 8 million people and then having that amazing Spanish villa overlooking the water in Spain. You got it. <laughs> there we go. Well, what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now 
in order to make these dreams and goals come true? Number one would be communication. I used to suck at communication, and that was just from my upbringing. Uh, my family wasn't very good at communicating, and it took some relationships to figure that out. And being in business, everything goes back to communication. What we're doing right now is communication. If you need to reach people, you got, you have to be able to communicate. So that's number one. I don't care what platform you're using, whether it's the written word, audio, video, you have to communicate. That's number one. Number two would be continuation. One thing I've learned in real estate, we get caught up on the on the stories of people hitting it big very quickly. Like, oh, I did a wholesale for four million. Awesome. Like it's great. But what I've seen specifically to the mortgage industry is that you don't even have to really be good. Same for real estate agents. You don't have to be good. You just have to continue and stay in the game and get incrementally better over time. But you don't even have to be great. We all know McDonald's does not have the best burgers, but they crush it. Same for Pizza Hut. Um, you could pick almost anything, and it's because they can drive attention. It's because they're good. They get incrementally better. They're changing. And I feel that that's the same way with us individually, is that to reach your dreams, you really have to continue. Don't give up. And I made that mistake a few times with other business ventures. Um, I ran a marketing business that was doing actually really well, but I was in a bad relationship and I let the business just go. It, the, it was a toxic relationship, I had to get out of it. And that crushed my business. Had I just stuck with it, we'd be having a completely different conversation right now. But luckily it led me to real estate and I'm learning from the mortgage industry, the people that stayed in it for 10, 20 years, they crush it. They don't, they don't even really know how to do files. Meaning when you go to get a mortgage, they don't touch them. They don't look at them. But they do so well because they've been in the game. People know them. They know enough to, you know, make people make the process comfortable. It's another skill set, but you figure out the tri tricks of the trade and how to make things work the longer you stay in it. So I know we talk habits and how to crush it and win and win big fast, but I literally think if you just stay with it, even if you're not the best, you can still win. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a lesson that I um I've learned but also taken from like books and literature because I feel like it's a you know, a lot of people will tell you that. Like just stay consistent. Like the compound effect is the number one thing that I think of with Darren Hardy. He's like if you can do something like a little bit every day for 30 years is much better than a lot sporadically every 3 months. And so, if you can stay that consistent person you will see those consistent results and they'll start to compound on each other and so it actually led to me asking myself different questions and it's something i need to continue to hold myself accountable to because i'll jump into situations and it's like can i stay in this position for a year can i maintain this for five years can i maintain this for 10 years like do i like it enough is it using enough of my strengths am i or am i just trying to get a quick bag if you're trying to get a quick bag, you're probably going to fizzle out and be in a worse situation in three months, you know? And so, yeah, I, I like that continuation aspect. But it's I like, I like your point too. I just finished uh, James Clear's uh, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And he says, if you can just get 1% better each day, you will be 37 X yourself by the end of the year. And that's just yep. like mind blowing. Just 1%. Yep. I'm sure I can find just a little something to do today to be a little bit better than yesterday. Yeah. Yeah.
Absolutely. And it's so interesting because a lot of people, you know, especially entrepreneurs, what they need in their business might be sales. And um, a great way to do sales is cold calling, but maybe you're scared of cold calling. It's like you could start at 50 cold calls and 1% better per day is like, in fact, 2% better per day is just adding an extra cold call the next day, you're 51 <laughs> right. the next day and then 52 the next day. But then at the end of that, you know, you'd be at like 400 cold calls in a day, which is what I'm sure a lot of top producers who are cold calling are doing with their like auto dialers and stuff. And it's just like, well, dang, now you're there. And it was that 1% better per day where it's like at the end of the year, you're doing crazy and you were consistent. It's just so, it's so awesome when you think about it. And then nice. people want, you know, we ask for the magic formula, like, whoa, what did you do? And it's like, I just called one more person a day. Yep. <laughs> it's exactly. never some mind blowing <laughs> thing that's been done. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, awesome. What are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals? It kind of goes back to the communication, just taking it to the next step. Well, what is communication doing? What can you do daily? It would be building connections, kind of like what we're doing right now, meeting more people, whether that's online or offline. I think expanding your network and meeting people is a game changer. And through the Home Buyer League specifically, uh, what I've been doing is connecting with realtors all over the world. So I actually have a, a course coming out. We call it courses or competitions, but really what it is, is it's discussions with experts in specific areas, but it's broken down into bite-sized pieces to make it easy for consuming the content. So for example, I spoke with one of the top realtors in Playa del Carmen, and she runs, she co-founded a real estate uh, firm in the area and they just do they crush it and they've got property all up and down the coast and it's a hot market and a lot of people i talk to are like man i would love to have a mexican property or something in cancun i want one actually um so there's just all these talks going about like well you need all cash to buy in mexico which you don't and it's like well how do you even do it it seems scary but I can tell you firsthand, I manage property from states away. I mean, I, I haven't stepped foot in the property in six months. And so I'm like, well, why can't you just do it internationally? So I'm trying to break that down for people and figure that out. I, um, one of my goals is to crack this code. And so after speaking with her, um, we were able to break it down into, you know, how people can do that. And so now I have this connection with someone in a different country and she's like oh you should come and stay and i'll introduce you to people who knows what that can lead to um and then her connection from people that see it and want to buy property can change their lives it's just you never ever know what can happen by just connecting with people and so i'm really enjoying it i can't wait to release it so that people can watch and she does a fantastic job of walking people through exactly how you get a, a property in cancun which honestly are not that expensive. I think there's something to be said there. And I've seen it in other countries where you can take the value of the dollar, get more bang for your buck, get a property that's cash flowing that appreciates more than it's probably doing here. Again, you don't have to invest in your own backyard, but international real estate really scares people. But it's something I'm working on. And how do you do that? I have to have connections. Mm, there you go. I love it. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Um, the consistency. Yep. It's consistently connecting 
consistently putting out content. Oh, I think we all have life gets in the way sometimes, but we have to stay productive and consistent and sticking to the compounding effect. And that is something I really am trying to work on. I bought this planner called the next level planner. Um, it's designed to help you stay on track every single day. It's like 30 bucks on Amazon. And that thing has been a game changer for me to stay on track. If I, I've, I went back and looked, if I don't fill it out in the morning, my days are way less productive than if I follow the steps at the beginning of every day. It's mind blowing. It's got a habit tracker in it. And so something like that to stay consistent has really helped. Is that with a, um, like whose planner is that? Who's the person behind that planner? Um, I'm not totally sure. The, the next level daily, I don't think it really says in here. See, I have it. I have it on my person like all times. It's right beside me. It's nextleveldaily.co uh, drip X products in Northern California. Yeah, I don't know. I came across it um, just by happenstance looking for planners. I used to just keep a calendar one, but this is a lot more in depth. I got you. I got you. Cool, cool. Well, if there are one or two people, speaking of connections, that you can meet right now, and it could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd help you take that next step, who would that person be and how would they help you? This is a tough one um, because there's there's a lot of different ways you could go. I think I've had to pick something that would help me immediately, like today, what do I need? It'd be a simple answer would be a video editor. It takes so long to edit videos. I can do it. I'm decent at it. I've been doing it for a while, but it takes so much time. You want to perfect it. You want it to look nice. But honestly, that's not something I should be spending my time doing. It's not a high leverage activity. That's something I need help with. So if there's any video editors, let me know. Definitely reach out. But that's th something I'm in the market for right now. But if I had to think of it back to the goals, uh, you mentioned, you know, how do we get to our dreams here? I'm making a connection with one of the top realtors in the country. I'm talking about somebody that's on TV that people know as soon as they see their face, getting them tied into the home buyer league to do a course paid or free. I don't care on a specific topic in a specific area that people can always go to for the answers that they need. I think that would be the one thing that would just be an absolute game changer. And so I need to put it on my goals list. Honestly, that's something I need to add. There we go. Awesome. And so with the home buying, did you found that or did you just become a mentor on that? Uh, I founded it. I'm also a mentor and it just happened out of necessity. I kept getting grilled once I went into real estate full time with questions. And it was the same questions all the time. There's so many people that want to get into it. They just don't know. And I kept finding myself giving the same answers. And then I was giving talks locally. So I was doing trainings on wholesaling. Um, I was then doing talks with nurses on how to, you know, get into real estate investing as a nurse. And I'm like, you know, you, you people miss the talk and is this recorded? And, you know, it was just getting overwhelming with the amount of people coming, asking for answers. So I said, there needs to be one place where I can dump this information that I can point people to. This is just taking too much time. So I took some time and came up with the home buyer league. And as I've been an entrepreneur multiple times, um, I said to myself, you know, you can't do it alone. So I figured out that I need, you know, a chairman, a vice chairman. Um, I have someone who wants to come on board as a chairman. 
Um, we're still looking for a vice chairman and then getting realtors on board and they're helping to spread the word as I do talks and get their content out. So they'll help to spread the word. There's some other things in the works, as I mentioned. So is it me right now? Mainly, but I know over time, as more people come on board to share information and become part of it, it will grow. And, you know, as we have this network and community of people who want to be in this real estate world, then, you know, eventually it'll become its own organism and, and take off and continue to help people, hopefully all around the world. Um, so yes, I founded it, putting the team together, a video editor would help uh, getting a vice chairman and, you know, it was just out of necessity meeting my own needs. Yeah. I feel that. Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual assistant like out of the Philippines? I used to have one. Um, he was fantastic. Uh, he helped with all of my social media and then some odd jobs. But you want to talk about saving time. Holy cow. I had to let him go. Unfortunately, money got tight. As soon as I started getting more into the properties, I'm like, all right, we need to take a break. Um, he was working multiple jobs, but I have every intention of you know, once I could get back to some stable footing, bringing him back on. But that is a great strategy. I mean, five bucks a day for someone to save you hours is tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah. My virtual assistant saved me so much time with the podcast. Like I was able to go daily with this podcast and like seven hours a week as opposed to, wow, you know, 23rd, it being a full-time job, basically <laughs> not producing <laughs> income. Um, but yeah, so virtual assistants, so key, so key. Awesome, man. Now we're going to jump to our thriving three. And first question is favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Ooh, pick one from each one. Movie is Forrest Gump. Great one. I mean, it, it's tough to beat. Uh, the reason is just because I think anybody can push themselves to almost do anything. I understand there's certain cases where that's not true. But I think trying to live by that notion is something I hold in high regard. So Forrest Gump for the movie. Um, what was the second one? Uh, podcast or book? Podcast. Well, of course, Living the Dream podcast. But when I'm not listening, <laughs> Living the Dream. Uh, right now, it's changed. Right now, I would say the All In podcast. If I'm trying to just get like an overall view of what's going on, I'll listen to the All In podcast. But depending on my mood, if I need to pick me up, I'll listen to Gary V. If I need some in-depth business, like go crush it. I'll listen, listen to Hormozzi, um, or Ed Milet. Uh, so it just depends on my mood. I love when you listen to you. Right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. He's setting the gold standard right now. I know he's a killer. Um, yeah, so, oh, oh yeah. And then, um, so yeah. So the book, I'd break it up into two. If I had to give you a fiction, it'd be the, the alchemist. I just love the message there. Um, I think I, I've lived my life kind of that way. You move to the next thing, you're experiencing life. It's fantastic. I don't usually read fiction, but if I'm going to, it'll be that. Nonfiction was by far the hardest one to figure out. Uh, I read books all the time. I've got an entire page on my website dedicated to books at uh, zpitman.com, a whole page of them. Um, so picking one is super, super tricky. I would say, though, the book that, changed everything for me was think and grow rich i know it's cliche but in college i didn't want to read because i'm being told to read so i didn't read at all and then yeah. as soon as i was graduating from my mba program i was given it as a gift and 
it, you know, it's 400. The one I have is like 450 pages. So I read the whole thing after going without, you know, just reading textbooks for classes, obviously, but it, it then set me in motion to get the mindset right. You cannot do anything unless your mindset's there. So I think that's the go-to. If I had to pick one recently, that's been a favorite. I would say the millionaire fast lane by uh, MJ DeMarco. That's been pretty eye opening that if you want to get rich quick, you can, and here's how. So I took some of his tactics to implement. I'm not banking on it, but can't hurt to try. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Napoleon Hill is such a just foundation for success. And I feel like most of the success literature out there today is based on his books, honestly. It's like it's either expanding on a chapter that was in his book or a concept that was in his book <laughs> or something from Earl Nightingale, which came from Napoleon Hill, you know, um, love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Think and Grow Rich. He also has another one. It's kind of an expanded version of Think and Grow Rich called The Laws of Success. Big fan of mm. that one. And then I haven't read Outwitting the Devil yet by Napoleon Hill. but I'm I did read that, that one. That's fantastic. Uh, it gave me the idea of writing a book with the same methodology that he has, but writing a book in the way that he does it because it's a story between him and the conversation with the devil. Mm. It's 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 a good one. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, what's one way you like to take care of yourself? So you've got the meditation, you've got working out. Um, so I'd say that those two keys, keeping your mindset great with the, with the meditation, staying healthy, um, and then having support, I think support from your family and friends is a big one. Um, those things will keep you, those things will keep a, a strong foundation. So I think you need a strong foundation to, to build upwards. Absolutely. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet that top realtor in the country that is going to like, everybody's going to know their face to do a course in the home buyer league. <laughs> I mean, that was the the top TV realtor, right? You know, yep. finding somebody top tier. Um, it would like from selling sunset or from HGTV, somebody on that level to come on and then just advertise it like crazy online to get more people into the group. And I think in doing that, then it would become a, a trickle-down effect because then you can say, oh, I had this person on. They provided fantastic value. We're helping a ton of people. Let's get you on here too. It, it's similar to um, Masterclass. They're doing, that's exactly what they're doing. They're absolutely crushing it. People want to learn for the experts. I've watched Malcolm Gladwell's um, masterclass. I watched, um, uh, who's the CEO of Starbucks. I should know this. Um, I watched his masterclass, yep, yep. um, but they're fantastic. Is, those are re that's information you can't get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So action step need to reach out cold, cold calls, one cold, extra cold call a day, cold <laughs> email, whatever it takes. You gotta show up to their office, do that. So yeah, something of that nature. Have you ever read giftology? No, you should check that book out. And um, okay, my bad. So usually, <laughs> I was you, hoping you're gonna dig into. I'm like, what is it? No, I'm, I'm about to dig into. It. I'm about to dig into. It. <laughs> uh, uh, so I have this guy on my podcast who has a company implementing giftology, and what giftology is is a form of marketing through gifts. So a lot of people have done this for a long time. 
you know, you give gifts to people, just friends and family as a show of love, right? Mm-hmm. Take it into the business place and give a really personal gift and you build a personal connection as well as a business connection, right? And the foundation of that business connection is personal. And I think those are the best business connections where it's like, mm-hmm. I trust that person, right? And a gift is a good way to do that. So Giftology talks about marketing through gifts and building trust through gifts by giving really personalized gifts, either to the business owner themselves or to one of their family members, either their wife or their kids. And usually when it's a dude who has a lot of money, the wife and the kids is a better target because everybody's trying to shower him with love and gifts, but people neglect the people he loves, which is something that would be close to his heart. That's what Giftology talks about. You should check out that book. And if you like what it says in that book, the dude who was on my podcast probably about a week ago, maybe two, three, four weeks ago, he's called the Appreciation Advocate. And he claims, I haven't used it, but he claimed on the show that he had a gifting sequence that could get you on the doorstep or get you an introduction to basically anybody. So if you like that two-hour book and you're thinking about giving gifts to one of those top realtors to get on their radar that is personalized, I have a connection for you, is all I'm saying. I love that. Well, first things first, I need to go listen to that episode. Yes, the Appreciation Advocate. I can send it to you right after we get off. And I'll text Perfect. you or something. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, no, man. I love that concept. Yeah, yeah. I think... I uh, I told him on the show, which is why I said my bad. I was like, anytime somebody is trying to meet somebody and they want an action step, I usually recommend Giftology. And I told him I'd start recommending him. So that's why I said my bad. <laughs> um, You're a man of your word. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good, that's a great recommendation. Though, that can help me and other people. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, cool, man. I know we're kind of at time here. Do you have a couple more minutes or do you have something you got to run to? I do. Yeah, I'm good to go. Awesome. Love it. Well, I got a couple more questions for you, and this is our final series of questions. They can get a bit personal, so if you don't want to answer them, just be like, I pass, and I'll be like, okay, cool, and we'll move on. So, I'm all game. I'm free game for any questions. Awesome. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Last year was monumental. Uh, a lot of success last year, but even with the success, most people would say, yeah, you're, you're crushing it. But to me, I didn't feel that way. I had to look and say, well, why am I not where I think I should be? And I figured that I must have some limiting belief or I'm self-sabotaging. So I got the book, The Mountain Is You by Brianna Wiest. And it's foundationally fantastic. I think everyone should read it. Um, what I learned is that I did have some behaviors that were self-sabotaging. So I'm still working through those. And I remember we had a meeting for our New Year's goals. And I said, I said the same thing that, you know, I felt like I was self-sabotaging. They said, the first time I met you, I was like, that's that guy. He's got no problems going on. I'm like, you just never know. Like, you never know what people have going on. Everybody's got their own demons, no matter what it looks like on the outside. So the one thing right now that I'm working through is this belief that I've grown up with that rich people are bad. And I know I'm not the only one that has that feeling. And it's just, it's something I try to work through because I have, have this mental vision or deep down subconscious that if I have a lot of wealth one day that I will become a bad person. 
And so it's a demon I'm fighting with trying to get that out of my head. Mm. Yeah, I gotcha. And did you say that comes from your childhood? What in your childhood specifically? Well, I'm here in North Carolina. So first things first in the South, we're in the Bible belt. <laughs> so yeah. go to church, you read the Bible and you know, it's easier it's it's easier than a, a camel to get through the desert than a rich man to get through the eye of the what what has that saying go see it's easier well, to like find a needle to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven man to I get into that, heaven yeah there it is yes yes easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven so you when you're told that from a young age over and over and over again. And I don't come from a family with, with money. Um, people don't know this about me, but when I was born, I was like in a trailer, food stamps, poor, single mother. And to get to where I am now is st statistically speaking, damn near impossible. Like yep. I should not be in the position I'm in now um, as a minority on top of that in the South. The high school I went to was almost shut down as being one of the worst in the state. There were so many things against me. It's just a luck of the draw, I believe, and genetics, how I was raised by my mother, having still some family support. There's a lot of things I did not have any control over. But that doesn't mean there weren't some things that were embedded in thinking that money is bad. It doesn't grow on trees finish your plate you can't have that because we don't have the money you can't do that we don't have the money these rich people are taking money from us money this money that negative 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 christians learning in the teachings that you don't have money because jesus didn't have money he teaches give it away all of that was just compounds over years and years and years and years and just built up this belief that hey if you've got money you're gonna be a bad person and we see it on tv all the time even to today it's it's everywhere and it's hard to escape that and now the good news is that i recognize it yeah 100 percent. do you have any limiting actions that reinforce this belief so you have this belief the belief causes thoughts these thoughts cause you to feel a certain way and you talk about those self-sabotaging behaviors do you have any of those on a daily weekly monthly even annual basis that still continue to pop up oh yeah it's bro it's it's all the time like <laughs> it's so hard to to escape in this culture um as an example uh, tv series who's usually the bad person some dude with a lot of money yeah always it's always somebody with money who's bad um uh, my wife and i like to watch documentaries on youtube who's the bad person it's the wealthy it's the income inequality which we have and should be focused on but it paints wealthy people and rich people as the bad people they are out for themselves. They don't give back. They don't help anyone. Um, reading the news, you read any headline anywhere, you're going to find one. It's, it cannot, I don't want to say it can't be escaped, but it's very difficult to escape. And then being around the people I'm around, there are some fantastic people. There are some great people who have money, um, but I know people who have money, but they're miserable or they don't spend time with their kids. It's, and then I see that and I'm just like, see, see, I told you, if you have money, you're going to be like them. You're going to be unhappy. 
You're not going to be fit. You're going to be overweight. Uh, you can never get away from the desk and just plays this plays this game in your head. And so, you know, realizing it, I have to try to limit that exposure. So now I don't click the videos or I try not to watch those movies or I select who I hang out with. And then in doing that, when the thoughts do come into my mind, I just visually go back to my Spanish villa and then I'm good. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You know, it's um, interesting about um, acting to get rid of a limit, limiting belief. Part of the like action to get rid of it is acknowledging its existence. And so I, I think I saw this with somebody who was like mm, struggling with alcoholism. I think it was on like a TV show, too, or something. It was on something I watched. But it was like somebody who was struggling with alcoholism. It's like they don't go to bars. But it's like a person who isn't an alcoholic has no problem being in a bar because they don't identify as an alcoholic. But a person who is an alcoholic and is trying to um, not be an alcoholic anymore avoids bars. And so it's almost as if the avoidance of bars tells you that you're an alcoholic, which is a weird thing because you're like, you mm. don't want to go to the bar. Because then you're going to drink alcohol and you're going to get the bad effects of being an alcoholic. But you having to avoid the bar is also telling you that you're an alcoholic, which is why this stuff is so hard to get around. Because either way, you're kind of treating yourself like an alcoholic. You're just um, not getting the negative consequence of the belief or you're prolonging it. And so when somebody brought that up, it might have been Alex Ramosi that brought it up. But I don't want to say that because... I respect that I do a lot, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. <laughs> but um, it was interesting to me because, like, I will – I have limiting beliefs around money as well and, like, being broke and not having all that I need and all that good stuff. And I'll treat myself like a broke person while trying to create more money or while chasing money. And even, like, how I talk about it, of like, the chasing money. And so these limiting beliefs – the limiting actions, the limiting thoughts, they just run so deep. <laughs> like they hit <laughs> deep. And I don't know, it was just an interesting thing that I felt the need to bring up for some reason. No, it's important. We're not taught this stuff in school. Unless you're going to college and studying psychology, we don't get any training in your subconscious, your psyche, how to understand or even pinpoint these things. And I think if we did, we'd be you know, a completely different society of having the tools and resources to pick this stuff out. And you know what you mentioned about realizing it, that's another important thing from the mountain is you is you have, yeah, you have to be able to pick out when it's happening so that you know how to change it. And I think back to atomic habits by not going to the bar, you're, you know, you can change your cue. Like, let's say you're out and you see someone drinking. The cue would be to, Oh, I'm socializing. I'm going to drink. You have to change how you, what your cue is going to be, and then that that first behavior. Don't get the drink. You see the cue as, ah, oh, they're drinking. That's going to make me feel sick. So now I need to leave, or I'm going to order a soda. So yeah, it, the the tricks there can be implemented if you have that first step of realizing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, do you have any people? around you and then we'll kind of run through the last couple questions but do you have any people around you that reinforce this so i know you're struggling with the rich people are bad and you kind of have some media that's 
um, putting that input into you and you try to avoid that media. But are there any people that are like close to you, whether it be friends, family, that also have that belief system? Because what I've found is that like I've been talking to some people at church about becoming wealthy and then they um they'll talk about the verse the love of money is the root of all evil of all evil yeah That's, it's the first thing they bring up and i'm like it's funny though because you don't say that when i work a job for the love of money like you always say Ooh. that when i'm trying to get financially free to not have to worry about money which is actually because i want to put my time and energy towards something more impactful and it's interesting how they'll use that verse to kind of do the crabs in the buckets thing. And they're not even, they're not trying to kind of pull me back down to the bucket, but it's just their reality. And so do you have any people around you like that, that have that belief as well? Family all day. I actually just had my cousin call me because they're doing a destination wedding and his parents are fussing about how expensive the resort is, which is actually a deal that he got by the way, but they're fussing about it, about the cost. And they're like, we're going to stay off the resort because you know, it's pricey. We'll save, we'll save like $500. And I'm sitting here like, well, didn't your dad just buy this $5,000 shed, but he won't spend 50 bucks a month (laughs) to stay on the resort. I'm like, how does this make any sense financially? The numbers make no sense. And you know, the family's still there. They're still doing the same stuff. My parents specifically, luckily they turn things around and they have their retirement accounts and stuff, but they'll Man, they will save, they will reuse aluminum foil. They will go in there and wash it and reuse the aluminum foil. They think the money's limited. It's little stuff like that. There's a whole strand of of unused milk jugs that have been washed out that are just hanging in the in the shed. It it's stuff like that everywhere of just hoarding things, thinking it's limited and thinking that, you know, money's not abundant and that they're going to lose something. It's the saving mindset versus the making and creating mindset. And that's rampant, rampant through my family. It's everywhere. So, you know, when they have money questions, who do they come to? They come to me, whether they take the advice or not, but it's just our mindset. Very, very different. So I have gotten to a point now though, where that does not um, impact me from the family side of things. Um, I'm trying to impact them. I love that. I love that. I also like the point you made about the intention there. It's all about saving as opposed to making and creating. I was talking to another friend about the Bible. He was really struggling with, he was just beating himself up much like we do with our, mm, whenever we feel inadequate in business or something like that, we'll beat ourselves up. He was just beating himself up over like the smallest of sins. And I was talking to him about the Bible and I was like, dude, the, um, the Bible it's not a story away from sin. It's a story towards Christ. And when you're going Mm -hmm. towards Christ, you are also moving away from sin, but the intent is not to move away from sin. The intent is to move towards Christ. Just like the intent is not to save money towards wealth, but to create wealth and abundance. You know, it's like you're, it's what you perceive yourself as moving towards. Just like the limiting the exposure for you, it's not to get away from being broke. It's to limit that exposure and get exposure to things that will help you build that life for your family. You know, you're not like, uh, it's important to pay attention to your intent and what you're really not doing things out of insecurity or scarcity. You're doing things out of abundance and there's a mm-hmm. fine line you can walk there. Um, and I think that's important here. Changing that per- that perception and just a single word or two will yeah. can change it. Yeah. Um, you, you're spot on with that. 
100%. Well, awesome. If you were to change your limiting belief, rich people are bad into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart, what would that phrase be? I know it would need to be specific and just taking kind of where, what my goals are now, what I would say would be, I will be wealthy at the age of 40 with abundance in my health, family, relationships, and emotions. I think that's very important because being wealthy is not how much you make. It has got to be in all areas. It's got to be with your family. You can't be running around like a lunatic. You have to have it together and emotionally regulate. You can't be fighting people. You have to be able to be calm and be a be a rock or a place of stability for yourself and for your family. Yes, you need the money so that you can you know, help others, give back, live the life that you and your family, what you believe you and your family should live. You can't be ill, you know, unhealthy. There are things we can't control, but at least eating healthy, being fit, limiting the risk that when you hit 50, you're in the hospital for bad health, lowering the risk for a heart attack. You can't be worth multi-million dollars, but you're ending up in the hospital a couple of times a year with a heart attack from too much stress. I think you've got to have an all around wealthy vision and you know ability and so that's that would be my my change that yes hey you can be wealthy and you can be wealthy in these other areas so don't worry about them being bad don't worry that you're not going to give money back and help people and guide people you can still do that even if you have money and that doesn't make you the bad guy it just it just doesn't have to even though there are people that way, it doesn't mean you have to. Yeah, 100%. And we got one last question for you. Alex Hormozy um, said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I just want to frame this question. I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations, but manipulation is about getting somebody to do something you want them to do, while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. Now, this next question will be about help, not manipulation. There's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica, who is a guest on the show, that you can get a horse to drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now, think of a person with a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change, but they hate their life. How can we, you and I, create an environment not to make the choice for them, but to salt their oats and help them change their life. I don't know if anyone's answered it this way, but I'm going to take this a bit sideways <laughs> and say that I also love Hormozy. I think what he's doing is fantastic. I listen to him. I try to get as much information out of him as I can. I think something we trap ourselves into is that a lot of the times people's presence and wealth can cloud our judgment sometimes into what people are saying. Now, I preface that by saying he's not the person I would probably go to for that advice. The reason is because I think that advice is too binary. I think there's too much gray area in there to phrase it the way that it's phrased. And I say that from personal experience because I mentioned it just briefly that I had a successful business that failed because of a bad relationship. What I did not express 
was that in that relationship, it was bad because the person that I was with had a diagnosable disease called BPD, borderline personality disorder. And the way it's described to me is that those people are essentially running on a track of stress at all times. That's how it comes from your childhood. And what happens is when you try to help, whether it's manipulation, intent, doesn't matter. If things go well for them, they have to put themselves back on the track of being stressed out and in pain because that's how they internally see things. It didn't matter what I did, how much help we got. Being in a behavioral institute did not change anything. And there's people I know that are close to me now that have similar things. And if you look at statistics, there's like 40 million people walking around with things of this nature. And it took me going through some pain for some years to figure out that I had to remove myself from that situation because it wasn't someone I could help. It wasn't someone I could manipulate into helping. I tried everything under the sun that you could think didn't help. So to answer the question, because I don't think it's binary and I know you phrased not forcing people into something unless they're going to realize it themselves, which is what it goes back to. A lot of people don't. And the people I know don't think they have a problem and they do. They're hurting themselves all the time. I can't go help them. There's nothing I could do to really or say that's really going to change that. They got to realize it for themselves. The only way that to do it to where they're going to figure it out for themselves, if you need to forcefully put them in a situation into an environment, almost, almost like a dictator to put them in a situation where they have to change their behavior. And that works for me. You know, if I'm trying to make money, I go back to what you did. I make myself broke. I put myself in a situation where I've got to figure out how to make money quick and do it the right way. It's similar. They would need to be placed in a situation in another country, take all their money, do something to forcefully cause them to change. Now, if you want to call that salting their oats, fine, we can call it that. But I don't know what help or intent you're going to have there for certain people. I think you, some people would have to be forced because they're, they're going to go their whole life not ever getting to the answers that they need. And it's sad. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, it took some pain to figure this out. Um, but that, that, that's how I view it. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's, that's how I view it. Yeah. I've, got, I've gotten a lot of answers and a lot of them have been great. They've helped me kind of with this question. Um, but I always run to that person who is very much like the one you just described. Like it's just who they are. They're just not going to do it. They're going to dig their heels in, or if things get a little good, they're going to self-sabotage because that's how they see the world. And um, I came to that same conclusion. You're just gonna have to put them in a situation where they absolutely have to change. And then I was like, but how, how moral is that? And so that's when I get to the point where it's like, I don't even think, I don't even think (laughs) like at that point, it's better to just remove yourself like you did, because it's not even moral for me to say, I'm going to induce this stress in your life such that you have to change for who I think you need to be. Cause like, if they want to live their life that way, I kind of need to let them, you know, as much Mm -hmm. as that is painful, um, they have to deal with the consequences. Let me throw this curveball at you. Because I think this is important because this almost takes us down a philosophical route of what's moral. But but I I struggle with this piece of the question. Who do you blame? Right. Mm -hmm. If someone is that way, but it comes from childhood, do you blame that person? Because, yeah, they're an adult, whatever. But or do you blame the parents? Because 
there would most likely in some certain situations, not all, all, but where an event or some adversity causes those problems and just subconsciously they don't know. You can't control it. You can't change it. So I struggle with like, where in the world do you draw this line of responsibility? Yeah. Yeah. I guess um, it, it's hard because I'm like, this is my instant. I can, I can be insensitive sometimes. And this is my insensitive kind of response that I'm like, does it matter where the blame falls if the results are in their hands? So for example, if they're 35 now and they became a horrible person, it's like their parents are out of the picture so we can blame their parents. But if I'm looking forward at the next 60 years of their life, I'm like, is blaming your parents going to do us any good in this situation? Like, is that going to help us get you to the result that you want to get to? If it is, let's blame them by all means. But if it's Mm -hmm. not, and it's going to disempower you, which I feel like a lot of times when people play the blame game, if they want to blame somebody that's not themselves, it can be a disempowering act because then it makes it's like, well, if they did this to me and now they're gone, this can't be fixed. Whereas like if they did it to me, but I'm going to take extreme ownership over it. And, you know, mm-hmm. you need a, you need a level of awareness to do that for the So those people who don't have that awareness, you either have to get them that awareness or they're just going to stay that way. But for those people who do have that awareness, I feel like if you're going to blame anybody other than yourself, it needs to be in an empowering way. Because I don't think where the blame is laid really matters. I think what matters is the results you're getting in your life today. So like if somebody beat the crap out of me every day of my life throughout my childhood, and now that person's dead, if blaming them helps me, I would say blame them. If blaming them doesn't help me and it keeps me in fear, and it keeps me like stuck where I am and dealing with that same emotion over and over again. I don't know. I would, I would have to say, I, it doesn't matter who you blame. It matters what results you're getting is how I look at it. In so how do you get to the outcome? Exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's explained. Yeah, very well. Yeah. And as I kind of struggle to say that because it is insensitive because there are people who went through really tough situations that are exclusively mm-hmm the blame of their parents or some stranger or some bully that did horrible things to them. But if you continue to blame them and your life gets no different, it's like forgiveness is um, a hard thing for me to conceptualize. But what I've heard about it, it's that a being angry is like drinking poison and asking the other person to die. And then B like forgiveness is often for ourselves more than for the other person. And so holding those two things up in tandem, I think it's just, um, it's a hard truth that a hard truth I have tried to swallow. And I think people have to swallow who are in that situation, but it's even harder for me to tell them that because I didn't have that much, like I wasn't, the the crap wasn't beat out of me as a kid. Like I didn't have extremely traumatic events. We were a little broke, but like, um, nothing extremely traumatic. So yeah, it's a hard, hard topic to touch. It is. But and I think it goes back to you know what I was saying. It's it's not binary. There's not an exact answer anyway. You try to slice or dice this thing just because situations are so different. I mean, there's terrible things that happen. So we can't say it's one way or the other. It's going to be different for every single person. And then sometimes, you know, I would like to say, even though I didn't have the proper upbringing, that I'm damn thankful that it happened because of the adversity that it built. And if I did have a lot of things handed to me, I wouldn't have that drive that I have now. 
And so I'm thankful that for a lot of that. And I feel like a lot of kids these days are going to be disadvantaged as we move forward from not having to have a tough upbringing. And so, you know, I'm thankful for some of that stuff. Thank God I realized some of those things. And so I hope that anyone who is struggling, you know, hears this and a light goes off and they can get back to what we've been talking about, the mindset to realize it for yourself um, regardless of, or do you need to salt your oats or force yourself into a situation? Whatever that answer is, I hope and pray people can find it for themselves because the answers are going to be different. 100%. Awesome. I love it. Well, Zach, that's all we got for you, man. Hey, I appreciate you. This has been not only amazingly fun and, you know, exciting and all the, those good things, but insightful for myself, you know, really making me look at the things I need to do now. So I hope other people are doing the same. So I just want to thank you for, for bringing me on and spending some time with me. 100% man. Thanks for coming on the show and guys, thank you for listening. If you're listening to this and you loved what Zach had to say, all the ways to contact him will be down in the show notes. What, and what is the best way to reach you, Zach? The best way would be email. You can reach me at Zach at the homebuyerleague.com. That's Z-A-C-H at the homebuyerleague.com. And then my cell phone's always open. 704-800-3126. And I'm always posting on social media. You can find me at Zach F. Pitt, Z-A-C-H-F as in Forrest, P-I-T-T on pretty much any social network. There we go. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.